The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may produce more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken over you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. What is Jesus claiming when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches? See, each one of John's seven I am statements, which we've been walking through in this series, in each one of these I am statements, Jesus is claiming to be the sole source of the true life that we all long for. Jesus is claiming that he is it. If we want life, it comes from him. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate to the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And today, I am the true vine. See, when Jesus says, I am the true vine, he's pulling from a great history, scripturally, of this vine and fruit metaphor. It's come again and again through the history of God's people. Here are these words from Isaiah chapter 5, verse 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. And he looked for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. See, through the whole of the story of God's people, God has been calling his people to bear fruits, to live lives of righteousness, to live lives that look like they are his people for the sake of the nations. But again and again, we see through the history of God's people, even right up to our lives today, the terrible reality of withered branches that don't bear fruits. The problem we need to face is the reality of fruitless Christian living. It really gets summed up, I think, in the prophet John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3. If you read Clarence Jordan's cotton patch gospel version, which really sets the gospel as if it was happening in the South, John reads something like this. When 
John noticed a lot of Protestants and Catholics showing up for his dipping in the Jordan. He said to them, you sons of snakes, who put the heat on you to run from the fire about to break over your head? I need to see some proof of a changed life. And don't give me all that, oh, we good church folks. For God can make good church folks out of this here pile of rocks. Already the chainsaw is at the root of the tree and every tree that does not bear good fruit, cut down, thrown into the fire, hallelujah. Now I know that for some of you, I just triggered you if you came out of a fundamentalist background. So there will be prayer ministry during communion. But John's point is that we need to face the reality of fruitless Christians. Those who've been called to be fruit, to bear fruits in this world, and yet are withered branches. But here's the amazing thing. When Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches, it's not a word of condemnation. It's a word of invitation. To a people who feel withered, to a people who feel they're not bearing fruit, this is good news. Because what Jesus is ultimately saying when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, is he's giving us an invitation to come and belong. Belong to me, abide with me, live with me is what Jesus says. But not only is it an invitation to belong, when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, it's an invitation to become. It's an invitation to link ourselves with Jesus in such a way that we actually begin becoming more of the people he's made us to be, more like him. But not only when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, is it an invitation to belonging? It's not just an invitation to becoming but it's an invitation to believing. It's an invitation to believe the truth of what God has done in you. See, it begins with belonging. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and he's inviting us to belong, inviting us to himself. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. That word abide is used again and again through John 15. It's used again and again through John's gospel. It's a word that means where you are or where you remain or where you continue. It's really a real estate word that says, where do you live? Abide, abode. In John chapter one, there's this moment when two of the early disciples come to Jesus, they don't really know Jesus. They've experienced a bit of him. They're, they're, they're interested in what Jesus is saying. And what do they say to him? In John chapter, chapter one, verse 38, they say, Rabbi, where are you abiding? And Jesus says, come and you will see. And so they came and they saw where he was abiding and they abided with him on that day. See, the idea of abiding in scripture is this idea of where we make our home, to know where we build our life. As Eugene Peterson translates 
verse 4 of chapter 15 here in the message, he says, live in me. Make your home in me. Why? Because without me, you can do nothing. Right? Jesus is, is connecting that the idea that if we live with him, there is power to live into this call on our lives. But if we don't live with him, if we're not connected with him, we can't do anything. Right? As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself without abiding in the vine, Jesus says, neither can you unless you abide in me. Where we live, where we make our home, where we live our lives, where we spend our days has a huge effect on the people we become, doesn't it? Right? The environment, the structure, all of that affects the people that we become. Many of my Canadian friends have asked me a lot, especially since receiving my green card, what is it like to live in the United States? And my answer is always the same. I have no idea. I live in Texas. <laughs> where you abide, where you live, has an enormous impact on the person that you are. Jesus is saying, abide with me. Live your life with me. Make your home in me. And I'll tell you, in, an, in, in a world that is so full of estrangement and separation and loneliness, this is an incredible word of hope. Come and belong in a world that is so lonely. We live in a world of record loneliness. In 2018, the government of the United Kingdom created a whole new ministry with a minister for loneliness. Like think of the secretaries under the president. They have a secretary for loneliness in the UK. As Russell Moore says, despite social media's promises of digital connectivity, all it has really produced is a world full of lonely narcissists. We are desperately lonely and into that world, Jesus says, Abide in me. Live your life in me. Make your home with me. Because the gospel is that those of us who would never belong have been made to belong. Those of us who because of our sin and our brokenness and our uneven performances would never be welcomed in. The gospel is that Jesus has borne everything wrong in us so that we can fully enter and be welcomed and belong. This is why in the life of Christ Church, when we talk about our four core values, we don't just talk about the traditional three values that have always been part of the history of Christ Church. We used to call them worship, grow, and serve. We played with the language a bit and said worship, formation, compassion. But we added a fourth, belonging. Because this is at the very heart of the gospel. That Jesus has made us a people by his sacrifice who actually belong, belong to God, and therefore by extension belong in the church. 
We belong to one another. We belong here. It's why when I gather with many of you on a Wednesday night for church on Wednesdays, and I hear parishioners saying to me, you know, it's amazing. We're sitting here eating, having fellowship with people in this church who I never met. And I say, exactly. Belonging. Jesus is inviting us to belong. But not only when he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches, is he inviting us to belong. He's also inviting us to become. To become who he's called us to be, to become like him. Verses one and two, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear more fruits. Pruning hurts, but pruning is necessary to become who we're called to be. Pruning, that amazing art of challenging through strategic cutting, challenging a good, healthy branch to become even healthier, to become even stronger, to be able to bear more fruit. This is the work that God the Father is doing in us, Jesus invites us to. Not only do you belong, but you are becoming because he's pruning you but pruning hurts. As necessary as it is, pruning hurts. I mean, we can imagine, I think, if we went around the room, every one of us would acknowledge, if we analyze our lives, that any place in your life where you see true and lasting growth, good true and lasting growth, has always come from a period of challenge. It just seems we don't grow without pruning. We don't grow without challenges. A number of years ago, I got out of parish ministry for nine months. I was near burnout. I know what that feels like. And I took a job as a school chaplain at an Episcopal day and boarding school. I thought, okay, 650 students. I can be chaplain to them no more parish ministry. And really, if you'd asked me at the core of my being what I was doing, I was running away from the Episcopal battles about same-sex unions and orthodoxy and the rest. And I just, I don't want to fight about this anymore. I was running away. And I ran off and had my dream job. And it was hell on earth. (laughs) Every morning, no joke, every Monday morning, I was dragged into the headmaster's office where he ripped apart my morning chapel and told me, why do you have to be so religious? Why do you have to talk about God? Why do you have to talk about Jesus? Why can't you just tell a bunch of hockey stories with a good moral ending? Because secularism had taken a hold of that school. It was Episcopal in name only. And as I went through that season of great, horrifying challenge, it's amazing at the other end, nine months later when I got out and went back into parish ministry, it is not surprising to me that it wasn't two weeks back into parish ministry that I was thrust head first 
into the battle over same-sex blessings, the issues of orthodoxy. I was toe-to-toe with a heretical bishop at 31 years of age, and by grace alone, I was able to stand. Why? Because of that season of pruning. By God's grace alone, I was stronger in the gospel because of that difficulty, because of that season of pruning. There was more strength and more fruit by his grace. Oh, that we could see our seasons of pruning for what they are. God is not done with us. He is pruning us with his fatherly care that still hurts, but to grow us in strength for more fruit, becoming more like Jesus. I love how Hebrews chapter 12 says, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and daughters. For what son or daughter is there whom his father does not discipline? And then verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Jesus is inviting us not just to belong, but to become. And the becoming is going to be through pruning. Another word for pruning is discipleship. Step by step, being challenged, being grown in the gospel so that we are stronger, so that we can bear more fruit for the sake of the world. There are no graduates of the Jesus school. There's only students The pruning hurts. Like O.C.S. Lewis once wrote, the real son of God is at your side. He is beginning to turn you into the same kind of thing as himself. He's beginning, so to speak, to inject his kind of life and thought into you, beginning to turn the tin soldier into a live man. And the part of you that does not like it is the part that is still tin Jesus is inviting us to belong to him. Jesus is inviting us to become like him through the pruning care of his father. But finally, Jesus, when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, is inviting us to believe. To believe. Because when you hear this promise This offer, come and belong. And you hear this incredible offer and invitation, come and become. Our immediate response wants to be, well, then what do I need to do? What what mountain do I need to climb? What heroic feat do I need to accomplish? What kind of inner moral righteousness must I churn up and create on my own in order to deserve such an invitation? And the answer is, you can never earn this. You can never, ever merit an entrance into this. It is given to you by grace and mercy and love alone. And therefore, all you can do is put out your hands and receive. All you can do is believe it. At the end of the day, this is where all of Christianity brings us to. 
All of our Christian walk brings us again and again to the same place. Will I believe? Will I believe the gospel about what God has done in me through Jesus? Because in verse 16 of our text, chapter 15, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will abide. He chose us. He appointed us. And just to be clear, he did it not because we were attractive, not because he said, oh, there's great potential there. No, he looked on us and said, even the sinners and the uneven performers that we were, he said, no, in love, I choose you. In love, I appoint you to this. I love how Deuteronomy chapter 7, God says to Israel, his people, he says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And then he says this, verse 7, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your forefathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh. God has appointed us for this. God has chosen us for this. Therefore, the invitation is to believe what he has won and accomplished for us. Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yet sinners. And remember that it's Jesus who's saying these, to us, these words to us. This is the king of the cosmos speaking over you. And therefore, if Jesus is the king, when he says, I chose you and I appointed you to bear fruit, that's more than just wishful thinking. That's the king's decree. That's the king's promise. That's the king's reality of our lives. The question is, do we believe what the king has declared about us? This is who you are. Abide in me, belong to me, and you will become more like me because I have decreed that it shall be so. By my death and resurrection, I have won every victory for you, and this is now your new reality. Will you believe it? We so often don't believe the gospel about ourselves. I remember my first parish, very first death in the parish. Monica got a call late one night. And on the other end of the phone was a parishioner who said these words to her. We think my father has died. Can Father Paul come and see? And she said, Okay. We're way in the north here. Parish priest is like town physician and mayor and garbage collector all gathered into one. 
And so I went. And as I was going out the door, grabbing my prayer book and my oil to anoint, I turned to Monica and I said these words. This parish is determined to convince me that I really am a parish priest. Because I was appointed, chosen. And so are we. God has appointed and chosen you and me to bear fruit. Will we believe it? Will we believe that this is what God has decreed about us? In my worst moments, I know this. When I am faced with trial or temptation, when I feel that failure of not living up to the call before me, I hear that voice of Satan in my ear that says words like this. See, I told you you could never do this. See, Christianity didn't really work for you. See, you'll never live up to the call from God on your life. And in those moments, there is only one response. And that is the response, I believe the gospel about myself. I believe that I am who Jesus said I am. And that the proof is his death and resurrection and his glorious ascension and the hope that he is coming again in glory. We are very broken and we are very uneven in our performances. But that does not change the word of Jesus spoken over you. I chose you. I appointed you to bear fruit. And of course, this is why God gets all the glory. Verse 8 of our text says that by this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. In other words, God the Father gets the glory from all his pruning in our lives when we bear fruit because the world will look at us and say, wow. If that person can bear fruit, there must be a God in heaven. Especially the people that know us the best. If that person can actually live a life that looks a little more like Jesus, there must be a God operating in their lives. That's how the Father gets the glory. Because he's called us, miserable, broken as we are, into this glorious belonging, into this glorious becoming. Will we believe it? All of Christianity comes back to this point. Will we believe it? What is Jesus claiming when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches? He's saying, like he said in every one of these I am statements, that I'm at the very center of what makes your real, true life possible. But it's an invitation in the midst of withered branches to a disciple who feels that they have not borne fruit in a long season. This is a good word of invitation. He says, won't you just come and belong? I'm the vine, you're the branches. Come and abide. Belong. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Come and become. Let my father prune you. Oh, he is the master pruner. He will grow you stronger than you could imagine. All you need is to believe it. Receive it and believe it. 
In our church in Ottawa, we had a street drop-in on Friday nights because we were an inner-city parish. And on Friday nights, two, three hundred members of the street community would gather in our church and have a warm meal. And we started having a Eucharist service. It was very, very messy, most interesting Eucharist experiences. And I remember one night, this older man, but man, he looked older than his years, came up to me and said, I'm a Christian. He said, but I've been living on the street for 40 years and no one in that time has ever invited me to communion. And then very nervously, he said, Father, I don't remember what to do. I said, it's rather simple. If you're in Christ at the time of invitation, first of all, you just come forward because you belong. Because of what he has done in your life, you belong at this meal. And then you need to kneel down. It's an act of humility at the rail to acknowledge, and if you can't kneel physically, then kneel in your heart, to acknowledge that there's a holy God here who's still doing a work in your life. You are still becoming who he's calling you to be. But then you're to put out your hands and receive the bread, my body given for you. Receive the cup, my blood shed for you. And then say amen. Because that's the way you say, I believe. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Do you feel withered today? Do you feel like you haven't been bearing much fruit? I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in them They are the ones who will, by my decree, by my sacrifice, by my grace alone, they are the ones who will bear much fruit. Do you believe it? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.